0: I suppose when we think back to our own childhoods and I know that I'd get on my trusty dragster and go down to the bush behind my grandmother's place and we were given that ability to have unfettered exploration of, of our environment. You know, nowadays we're so worried about how our kid's going to be safe. I think they miss out on some
1: of those things. Welcome to Illumin, where we explore issues of interest and importance in education. I'm Jacinda Isler, Principal of Brisbane Girls Grammar School and your host. Today it's my pleasure to introduce Anne Ingram. Anne is, quite frankly, something of a pillar in our girls' grammar community. She's worked at the school for more than 25 years, first as a biology teacher, then in student care, and now as our deputy principal. She has two daughters herself and is absolutely devoted to the education of girls and young women. She is committed to ensuring that we develop in our students a thoughtful, resilient and confident approach to life. In her approach, though, she brings certainly a very inquisitive and rational scientific mind to all aspects of care and education amongst girls and young women. She's always up to date on the latest developments in educational research, endlessly curious. She is always seeking ways where we can practically apply that research for the benefit of our students and those we teach. Anne actually works across the hall from me all day. We spend an enormous amount of time together, but today I'm particularly looking forward to sitting down and speaking with her about some topics that we consider to be incredibly important. Welcome to Illumin, Anne. Thank you, Jacinda. Anne, you recently wrote a very interesting article about the power of nature and its impact on well-being. In that article, you were able to draw together some highly disparate tenets of writing and research that still in many respects is in its infancy. I'm curious to know what led you to be interested in this important and emerging topic.
0: Well, thank you, Jacinda. It's been a really interesting dare I say journey as I've looked into this idea of the idea of green space here at our school and I suppose a few things led me to this and to explore this more deeply. Our beautiful new science learning centre has been something that we've been working towards and I've been a member of those committees And, and when I'd look at the plans I'd worry that perhaps it was going to seem claustrophobic. Um, It seemed to have quite a small footprint. When you looked at the plans, I've never been very good at visualising from a plan. And when I first stepped inside the building, once it had been finished, the greenery just came flooding in. I was suddenly, I suppose, so calm and restored. Mm. I felt it was going, my experience might have been that it was going to be a building but instead it was really more of an experience when you stand in that building the green comes in from from all around there's so much glass and open space and then of course the sky from above so I really felt like a little bit of a bird in a nest Mm -hmm. in that beautiful building and speaking to the students as well they love it they say you know it feels like coming home almost to them as they come in to have their classes in that building. I suppose also, I've thought about this, my own backyard, I am so lucky to be able to um, back on to bushland, and so, you know, that's been a lovely experience, just being at home, um, the sights and sounds of of all the, the native animals and the marsupials, and even the wondrous markings of carpet pythons as they make their way through our backyard. And onto Um, the veranda on occasion. Yes. So that's been an inspiration to me as well. But at the start of the year, reading Julia Baird's book, Phosphorescence, and in particular, Chapter 2 of that book, where she talks about bathing in nature. And that helped to cement a lot of these ideas that had been rumbling around inside my head. She talks there about I suppose the first thing is our our deep and rightful connection to the earth and I love the quote that that she has in there and it goes like this the love of nature is coiled within our bones laced in our marrow and steeped in our blood and she makes this connection to the the urbanization that we experience and the endless demands and constant stimuli of our of our busy modern lives and that Really, if we can turn back to nature, that can have a big impact on our well-being. And I, I guess as a teacher, I worry about our current disconnect with nature. And I think that returning to that can have an impact on our well-being. We, we know the role that technology plays For good and and for you know for not so good I suppose and I'm really interested in this idea of whether increased activity with nature increased exposure to green space can continue to impact well-being but not even just well-being but to take it one step further and look at connection to the way that girls can learn and whether that can have an impact.
1: So this turning back to nature is is really in response to a concept that you've written about called nature deficit disorder. It's It's a metaphor used to describe some widespread symptoms associated with this increasing alienation from nature. And it was captured most compellingly by Richard Louvre in his book, Last Child in the Woods. Can you tell us a bit about this metaphor of nature deficit disorder and your experiences of working with it within a school?
0: Hmm.
1: Again, this came... Reading
0: Julia Baird's book, she speaks of another author in her writing, Florence Williams, and she was the author of The Nature Fix. And again, there's the connection to Richard Louvre, and he's written books like The Vitamin N and The Nature Principle. And so through Florence Williams, she, she speaks of this nature deficit disorder as well. And talks about how our human connection to nature is deep and rightful and what is the consequence of this move from nature. You know, we've become increasingly urbanised, we've become increasingly busy and she links technology, busy lives and this frenetic pace that we all experience to things like, you know, a diminished use of our senses perhaps the attention difficulties that that we have and goes so far as talking about health issues and emotional issues um, when we are devoid from nature. I think about children here in um, educational contexts and am concerned continually at their loss of independent play and I suppose when we think back to our own childhoods and I know that I'd get on my trusty dragster and go down to the bush behind my grandmother's place and we were given that ability to have um, unfettered exploration of, of our environment. I think, you know, nowadays we're so worried about how our kid's going to be safe that I think they miss out on on some of those things.
1: Well on that note I think it would be good for us to hear a little of the students perspectives. It won't surprise you to know that they have much to say on this topic. Today it's my pleasure to be speaking with two of our students, Jill and Lily, or Gillian and Lillian, as we were just commenting before we began. I'm interested to know a little about your sense of how you spend a normal week and, and what part of that or how much time do you spend each week in nature or outdoors? What about you, Jill, if we start with your typical week?
2: So I think it's, um, I think it's sad that as you get older you spend less and less time outside Um, and that's why I love taking my dog for a walk and I love doing cross-country at school but yeah I'm trying to find more time that I can you know do my maths homework outside or things like that yeah.
1: Why do you think as you get older you spend less time outdoors?
2: I think um, you don't end up you know playing Marco Polo in the pool for three hours or you know um, with friends or um, your time to relax becomes more about screens and um, indoor activities it's funny there's not that sense of like playing outside um, that you had when you were little.
1: Do you feel the same way Lily what tell me about screen time versus the outdoors how do you maintain a balance?
3: um, I definitely agree with what Jill was saying I think Finding the balance between schoolwork and sport and extracurriculars is becoming increasingly more difficult as we get older, just trying to fit everything in. But um, I think when I'm doing stuff like my sport, like I'm quite involved in water polo here at school, I think it's really good to disconnect from the um, distractions and devices that are so... That we're so accustomed to in our daily lives, and just step away from all the distractions.
1: It's hard to step away sometimes, mm-hmm. isn't it? So tell me, what kinds of things do you do outdoors? Do do either of you help in the garden? You mentioned Jill, obviously walking the dog. You play sport. Um, how, how, what kinds of things do you do outdoors?
2: So my sister does all the mowing. Oh, that's okay. her. That's her thing. Great. And um, yeah, we do. Lo- we do lots of gardening at home, actually. Yeah which is fun on the weekend. So
1: it's a family activity yeah. and and you've probably been encouraged to do that from when you were little. Is yes, that true? Yes, yeah, definitely. Watching the development of your garden. What about you, Lily? Do you do any bushwalking or do, do you ever um, get out into, I guess, the wilds?
3: Yes, my family and I actually really like going for bushwalks and going for hikes. I
1: it did not know that when I asked the question, but that's <laughs> good to hear.
3: It was something I was never really interested in until I went to Maripata and went on school camp and on my Duke of Ed expeditions. I used to always shy away from like going for, on walks and things like that. I thought it was boring but I really got to experience it at Marapada. Yeah, so
1: you yeah. think there's a role for schools in introducing it. So sometimes it comes perhaps through your family mm-hmm. or through maybe experiences with um, family, friends, but through school and outdoor education in particular, you've developed... A greater appreciation for bushwalking so tell me though it, there's a, a lot of research obviously that tells us that if we spend out time in nature it's beneficial for our entire sense of ourselves and our well-being how do those activities make you feel when you're outdoors jill when you're gardening or lily when you're bushwalking
2: it's funny because i think um definitely more energized even though it's that you know like going for a run or going for a walk you feel exhausted when you get back but you actually do feel more energized and you feel more productive and that sense of clearing your head I think is what I really love about getting outside yeah. What about you Lily?
3: Yeah I was just thinking that um, when I'm doing my water polo training whilst it can be quite physically tiring I think mentally it's so important to just take a step back and just clear your head and then after my training I can go back to my maths homework and just attack it with so much more effort you know
1: so does it surprise you Jill that the scientific research suggests this is good for you in so many ways
2: no I I don't think it's um surprising because I I really do feel like it's it's a form of that's you know that self-care um going for a walk for a run yeah definitely is um something that makes me feel better mentally yeah.
1: And Lily they talk a lot about um, enhancing your awareness of your surroundings through your senses so if you're out in the bush what 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 does what comes to you in terms of what you experience through sight sound smells are you aware of those things?
3: Yeah I think noticing the wildlife is something I'm particularly aware of when I'm going for bush walks whereas if I'm just at home and sitting in my kitchen it's not something I'm really thinking about but if I'm in the outdoors and going for a walk it's definitely something that I'd like to Um, experience.
1: Do you have any answers to um, some of the challenges that we face? So the, the use of technology, finding balance, you know, people having very busy lives. Have you got any suggestions about how we could bring more experiences of nature into our lives?
2: So during like a really busy week or during like exam block, things like that, I really need to tell myself, even though you feel like there's a million things you need to do, and the last thing, you know, you you need to just be focusing, it's actually the best thing is to get outside. And I think um, setting a reminder on your phone or asking a family... Ironically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or getting like a family member to say, no, go for a walk and you'll feel so much better. Yeah, carving out that time is important.
1: Yeah, yeah, and of course there's no – and when that's what we talk about. There's no wrong or right here. It's about mm. balance. So if your phone sets, you know, a reminder that reminds you to get outdoor, then you've probably got a nice complementarity among all of those things. What about you, Lily? Have you got any ideas about what we could do more of? Well,
3: on Monday I was doing a maths problem and I was finding it quite hard, but I was like, Lily, come on. I know you can do this. This is not that hard. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go downstairs and I'm going to throw the ball with my little brother and I'm going to come back upstairs. And not
1: at your little brother. <laughs> not at
3: my little brother, with my little brother. <laughs> yes. He loves his cricket. Good. And then I'm going to come, come back upstairs and just give my maths problem a go again. And I know I can get it when, I'm with, when my head's more clear.
1: Fantastic. And what about at school? When you're at school, mm. are there enough spaces for you to, to, to step outside and to breathe? Where do you go to to find that um, sense of nature or greenery while you're at school?
2: So sitting out at the um, the Year 12 tables has been really lovely, getting that sun in the morning and also down by the fig trees, lovely, that's a nice like outdoor space. And what's really interesting is like the science building with that void and then those, you know, that level four, those windows coming in, you've got the light and the outdoor world, yeah, all around you. So being able to
1: see it and your peripheral vision Mm. reminds you that it's there. Well, it's been lovely to talk to you, Lily and Jill. Thank you for your time and for your comments and, and your honesty about how you balance the challenges of technology with spending time in nature. And the girls, obviously, are very articulate about explaining the importance of nature and how they incorporate uh, experiences into their lives. But they may not always be aware, of course, about the important science that actually backs up the benefits of time in nature. You and I have both read a fabulous book called The Well-Garden Mind. And I wonder if you'd like to um, articulate, I guess, some of the concepts that that book explores. Mm,
0: that that was that's a great book, and um, I was very thankful that you put me on to that one, Jacinda. It does explore this impact of green space, and I think there's a positive correlation between um, being involved in gardening and and being out amongst the greenery and physical activity, which can be very psychologically restorative, and we see um, improved mental health that is identified in less anxiety and depression and even healthier cortisol profiles of of people involved in these activities. So as a scientist myself, I'm always interested to look at what the the, um, research is and the evidence. And, you know, some really interesting findings have come out in that particular book. Things like, um, I was interested to read that patients in hospitals who are assigned to rooms with green vistas instead of just staring at the walls had shorter hospital stays. Prisoners, given the opportunity to grow plants, are less likely to offend. There's been some research done with our elderly people who have enjoyed gardening and and how they've experienced a better quality of life and in actual fact have lived longer. And some of our at-risk young people who are able to till the soil and, and get involved in gardening, are more likely to stay in education. So, those sorts of things were really interesting to me. And then I went back to the health fix book that I mentioned before, and I was really interested in this scientific basis of forest bathing, which is an activity that takes place in Japan, and I'll probably not pronounce this very well, not speaking Japanese, but it has a name, Shinrin Yoku, and Shinrin is Japanese for forest, and Yoku is Japanese for bathing, and I was very interested in this um, and spoke ...with one of my good colleagues, Mrs Emma Lowry... ...who is one of our Japanese teachers and has lived in Japan... ...and is um, very accomplished with all things Japanese. And I said to her, was she aware of this? And she said, yes, that Japanese people have tremendous respect... ...for nature and appreciation of nature... And they also have a rich vocab to describe the natural environment. And in fact, this forest bathing is used by a lot of middle-aged Japanese people where they go into the forest and they take in the forest through their senses. So they appreciate it very deeply. And um, it helps them to bridge the gap between um, themselves and the natural world. But what's been really interesting is the health benefits that they've experienced. Improvements in their cardiovascular and metabolic parameters which I just find fascinating. Things like their pulse rates are reduced. They receive reduced scores for depression and fatigue and anxiety. And it also impacts on their dopamine levels. So it's just fabulous to think that a simple act of going into the forest or a immersing yourself in green space can have those impacts on your health and well-being.
1: It's certainly a compelling case for spending time in nature, but do you think perhaps the the busyness of daily life is sometimes, I think, challenges people to consider uh, the value of time spent, as you say, tilling the soil, watering a garden. Some people perhaps Feel it's almost a waste of time. People say that they are too busy to to grow a plant, but of course, in that well-garden mind, it talked about that sense of agency and that sense of, um, particularly for young people or troubled people, to see that through their own hand they are improving, they are growing, and that all has such a an important restorative benefit. But given that um, many of our listeners are of course parents and of course they're very concerned about their children's well-being as well as their own, but naturally parents in modern life are often very busy juggling a whole range of different priorities and trying to find I guess an optimal experience uh, for their child and their child's experience of childhood. What are some of the practical ways that you speak to our parents and parents more broadly about in how they might integrate more nature experiences into the lives of their children and, and into their own lives, I would say?
0: I think just that ability to be able to go and explore and allow, allow their girls that freedom, particularly on the weekends. I know we all experience that as young people and it seemed quite natural. I think our world is possibly safer than it used to be and of course we all have mobile phones so that ability for girls to go off and explore you know with their friends or in small groups is is a great way of getting out in nature. I think encouraging our girls to participate in co-curricular activities that allow them that opportunity to be in nature and certainly you know so many of our sports are out at Rangakara or in beautiful playing fields where they can experience that of course encouraging the girls to embrace those outdoor education experiences and many of them just come back from our Maripata Outdoor Ed Centre and have just enjoyed the time so much and many of them will sign up then to become Maripata seniors and they'll go on Duke of Edinburgh excursions and um, challenge themselves in nature on some of these experiences. So that is really enriching for the girls and so we encourage them to step away from their technology and go out and enjoy the environment.
1: So on that note, step away from our technology. I'm sure we could all take a lesson out of that. I'd like to thank you, Anne. You bring such an intelligent approach, always backed up by the science in all that you do, but you also model a great sense of warmth and calm. And I I think our school community benefits from that greatly I'd like to conclude with a quote from Florence Williams who who you have referenced a few times in our discussion today uh, when she said go outside often sometimes in wild places bring friends or not and just breathe thank you Anne it was a pleasure speaking with you today thank you Jacinda
3: You have been listening to Illumin, a podcast by Brisbane Girls Grammar School. Music for this podcast was written and performed by Year 12 student Alicia Seng. To ensure you never miss an episode of Illumin, please subscribe on iTunes or Google Play. And to learn more about the school, visit the website at www.bggs.qld.edu.au.